Eagles open their away in the Golden Slipper. There's a great start. And Mick Vitmarskay on the extreme outside is about the first out. Jack Boyle. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front. Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This I podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The catalogue is out for the 2021 Inglis Classic Yearling Sale. In total, 803 yearlings have been catalogued, 620 in the main book, 183 in the highway session. The sale will run from February the 7th to February the 9th at Riverside and will be preceded by the running of the $2 million Inglis Millennium at Randwick on the Saturday. 108 stallions will be represented at the classic sale, including 22 first season sires. 87% of the yearlings are Bob's eligible, while there are yearlings catalogued eligible for Vobus, QTIS, West Speed, and also the South Australian Breeders and Owners Incentive Scheme. Since 2018, Inglis Auctions have produced 53 Group 1 winners. In the last four years, the Classic Sale has produced the winners of a Melbourne Cup, a Golden Slipper, an Everest, a Blue Diamond, a Randwick Guineas, and a Victoria Derby. Grab your copy of a catalogue bursting with quality. The English Classic Sale 2021. When Linda and Lawrence Mons opened the doors of their boutique thoroughbred breeding operation seven years ago, they did so with some apprehension. To begin with, they were new faces in the fiercely competitive New South Wales breeding and selling arena, taking on some long-established and hugely successful commercial enterprises. Secondly, as the new owners of Tyreel Stud at Agnes Banks in the Hawkesbury Valley, they needed to uphold the benchmark set by the Fleming family who'd developed the property from scratch in the mid-80s. The late Jim Fleming bred and sold outstanding horses like Bint Masque and Falante from the showplace 40-hectare property. The husband and wife team knew they needed to work harder than ever before. They knew they had to surround themselves with an expert team and, above all, they knew they had to breed and sell a headline act if they were to put the new Tyreel on the map. I think it's fair to say that Linda and Lawrence have achieved all three prerequisites in spectacular fashion. In just their second year at the yearling sales, they offered a grey cult by not a single doubt from their home mare Pinocchio and they topped the English classic sale at $400,000. How could they have known that classic legend after 12 Australian runs, would bank well over $8 million and win the fourth Tab Everest in breathtaking fashion. The new Tyreel was away and running, and coming into a new year is already well established as a very serious player in a very serious business. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast a very professional and energetic mother of two, in Linda Mons. Linda, it's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much, John, and um, it's my pleasure to be a part of of uh, your podcast. Um, 
that was some introduction. So um, it, it it's quite amazing looking back on the past seven years and, and hearing what we've done. But uh, uh, living this life, you you sort of forget about uh, the achievements and mm. focusing on on moving ahead mm. uh, and maintaining what we've done. Taking on such a brutally competitive market as an unknown must have been pretty intimidating stuff. Were you scared? Oh, absolutely. Um, my words to my family were, um, I don't think I can do this. Mm. Um, I, I had always come, been an employee my whole life. Uh, we had worked hard for what um out the small achievements we had made in our lives. Um, and, you know, we, we've we always been very hard workers uh, and always had goals um, to aim for. Um, and then coming to this, this was just a whole different level. Uh, it was commercial. Um, I knew what it was going to take uh, to, 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 to carry on, I guess, um, but also, I guess, the the previous owner's success uh, and high standing achievements within the industry uh, and the respect that they had, um, and I guess uh, I, I was an older model coming in. I I didn't come in through, um, you know, and stay in the industry right throughout my life. I I was off doing other things. I had other focuses. So to come back in. Uh, unknown, uh, it, it was it was overwhelming. Um, but once the decision was made uh, to take on this challenge, uh, we did it, we, we did it with with I guess um, total commitment and yeah. total focus. Uh, and um, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting ride. Uh, it's been a rewarding ride. Uh, but I must say it's been extremely hard. It's mm. been very, very hard all round. But um, nothing in life comes easy. Um, nothing in my life previously came easy. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know what to add to that. But mm. Um, it, it, it was extremely hard. Um, yeah. And um, anyway, we just uh, knew what we had to do and got on and did it. You can't have a boutique broodmare farm without broodmares. So after purchasing Tyreel Stud, your next assignment was to go out and buy yourself a few broodmares. How many did you get in the first hit? Oh, well, so the first year, um, we actually, when looking back, um, in 2014, mm. we purchased four broodmares uh, at the English sales. Mm. Uh, we purchased four broodmares at Magic Million sales. Mm. Uh, we purchased two broodmares out of the Patnak dispersal sale. Mm-hmm. And we purchased one broodmare privately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew I had to have, you have to have food on the shelf. <laughs> you can't just have a farm mm-hmm. uh, and not, you know, not have the goods. So mm-hmm. we had to go out hard that first year and buy pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we fold them down in the 2014. And we knew it was going to be a really hard start because we, we weren't going to have a product to sell mm. um, until 2016, a product of our own mm. um, until 2016. So, um, 
you know, that was hard. It was it was always going to be very, very hard in the beginning with cash flow. Um, but I also we had a model, we had a we had a brand that we wanted to aim for. Um, but we did that also consciously with buying all different types. So we brought we brought mares that had on track performance themselves, mm. um, and that were well related, uh, and had pregnancies that we were you know quite interested in. Um, mm. And then we we purchased mares that were a lower level, you know, unraced mares, you know, that um, mm. had. Uh, nice pregnancies. We liked all the physicals that we were buying. Um, and so we spread it across. And it was, I guess, an exercise I needed to do for myself mm. um, and an exercise that I have followed all the way through. And um, with our mares, I, I, I watch what they're giving us. We're trying to always... Um, improve on the physical types um so we've had great success in the sales ring from um unraced mares or placed mares or winners um and then we've had you know we've had varying results um and then obviously pinocchio herself uh, which is the dam of classic legend. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she was in she, foal, Linda, wasn't she, to Fox Wedge when you purchased her? She was in foal to Fox Wedge. And mm-hmm. um, that first foal, he was he was a really nice physical article. He wasn't correct in front, um, you know, but I, from the moment we saw that first foal and then when we saw the second foal, we thought this mare mm-hmm. is stamping her her stock yeah they come out with that natural muscular strength mm. um and you know they've all got great attitudes um they're, mm. they're just all lovely types mm. now the first one was a chestnut mm. uh, surprisingly uh, mm. by um uh, as we said fox wedge he went to gary portelli who won four races with him including one in town yes. and then along came Classic legend whose strength, you tell me, Linda, as a foal, stood out. Always looked strong, didn't he, from day one? He did. He was born a little bull. You know, he was just so powerful in front Mm -hmm. and behind um, and really strong forearm and Gascon. Uh, You know, probably the thing that we would have commented on throughout his growth is, is he going to be big enough? Mm. Um, and we say that not for the racetrack. We say that for the sales ring because mm. uh, these babies are so hardly critiqued at some, at times. Mm. And um, I believe he was always the one that got away. So many people said that they had him flagged but they queried, question mark, will he be big enough? Mm. Well, you know, we know not a single doubts uh, often don't have a lot of leg um, mm. and it doesn't mean they can't run and they don't have the heart and the, no. the lungs to, to to get them across the line and the, the mental capability as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, we, we then um, obviously felt that maybe we do need to put a bit of leg in. So then mm. went to Sebring and mm. produced a Thero uh, mm. who was purchased by George Moore yeah. Uh, and went to Hong Kong and he was going to be the next big thing. You know, he yes. had so much ability, uh, so much power and strength. Again, he was so big 
yep. as far as his frame. Mm. Uh, he filled his frame with muscle. Mm. He was such a relaxed mm. uh, individual and um, mentally I, I believe she's throwing in that just relaxed nature that can take on anything. Yes. Um, he, he's won a group too in Hong Kong, but he hasn't been seen for a while, a thero. hope he no, hasn't got a problem. He he did have a problem. Uh, mm. He did uh, in his last start, I think, mm. might have been in the the, the sprint, mm. uh, might have been. He uh, he did bleed quite badly. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe the environment over there is not quite suiting him. Um, mm. You know, they love their paddock time, don't they? They love their time to get their head down and, mm. and have a bit of time out. Um, he was such a big individual and, you know, it's a shame that we, we haven't seen his potential. Mm. Um, but, you know, you see that so often, don't you? Yes, um, yes. Uh, but then now we're waiting for uh, the next big thing in Fairy Legend, which is Pinocchio's uh, So You Think Cult. Um, right. I do get regular updates from Gary Moore. Yes. Um, who has him at Rose Hill. Mm-hmm. Is it Rose Hill? Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I do believe I only just recently got one uh, a video mm-hmm. update from Gary. Yeah. Um, he knows how interested we are in Pinocchio's progeny, and yeah. we're hoping we'll see him come out in February. Right. Um, but at the moment, they're they're loving what they're seeing. Absolutely. And his, his name again, Linda, is Fairy, Fairy Legend. Legend, which a is half unusual. Brother, half brother to classic legend, and yeah. we'll be watching him with great interest. Now, in 2019, Pinocchio missed to Capitalist. They can all do that. But last year, she gave you a magnificent I Am mm. Invincible Philly, mm. and they'll need the army to get that one <laughs> off you. Oh, she's just stunning. Uh, she's everything that we could have ever asked for. Um, um, I I will never part with her. No. Um, so uh, I already have named her in my mind, her racing name, which I cannot share with anyone at this stage. Mm. Um, she's absolutely stunning. She holds everything, uh, possesses all the good qualities that yeah. – all of the past have had. Um, she's the boss. Yeah. She's the boss of the paddock. Mm. Uh, I think she knows she's good. We've tried not to spoil her because mm. um, they are all the same. They We love all of them the same. So we've tried not to mm. make her stand out in the paddock. She's mm. She knows, you know, Mentally, she's she's going to be the one that'll cross the line. Mm. She has that. She has that in her. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I say now, never partner. No, not um, for sale. Not for no, sale not at for any sale. price. Um, and let's hope you know Pinocchio is in fall to Piero. Mm. Um, who knows? She might give me another filly. She might give me another colt. Mm. It doesn't matter to me. Um, and um, at this stage, she'll be going back to I'm Invincible Good. Um, this coming season. So yeah. uh, very special mare. Um, all our mares are special. I mm. currently have 30 of my own on the farm Yeah. and looking to increase to 35 to 40. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's very hard when you you I have to constantly trade. So I'm constantly trying to trade and buy, mm. trade and buy. Mm. Um, you, you can't keep current, I don't believe, unless you keep fresh. No. No, good point. So well, I'm going to change the subject now, Linda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You played a part in the amazing behemoth story. <laughs> now, you bought his mum, Penny Banger, from yes. a dispersal sale. You sent it all too hard and yeah. you bred this huge Coarse foal, which you sold as a weanling at the English Great Southern Sale, where he was purchased by Heritage Bloodstock for $120,000. And the rest of this story is the kind of thing that inspires people to keep trying. What happened after that? Oh, look, he was enormous, like you just said. Um, We do try to sell some very small handful of weanlings every year. Mm. Um, I like to be in both markets um, and we've sold some very nice weanlings. Mm. So um, we did flag him as being quite large and Mm. we thought, well, look, we don't know where he's going to finish. We thought the heat was on the all too hard at that time. Mm. So um, we thought, well, maybe we'll sell him this year. We might not you know, do so well as a yearling. And yeah. he had the most beautiful nature, mm. beautiful walk, um, along with a big horse goes a big stride, clearly. Mm. Uh, he was a very relaxed individual. He was very mm. popular at the sales. Um, and, you know, we obviously were, were very happy with our sales result. Yeah. Um, and um, I did see him down at the premier sale as a yearling the following year but he got cast in the box I believe and Mm -hmm. and had an injury so was withdrawn and taken back home and Mm -hmm. um and then he surfaced again at uh another sale Mm -hmm. and um he obviously didn't sell so well six thousand dollars lit $6,000, $6,000, you know. $6,000. Every horse, it just goes to show, every horse yeah. that you breed, doesn't matter if they have x-ray issues mm. at a certain age, um, trained right, mm. managed right, cared for correctly. Yeah. Uh, they all have the potential and the the ability, I guess, mm. to do whatever they will do. Mm. Um, full credit to the trainer. He David has, Jolly. David, David Jolly, Jolly yeah. has just managed him so well. Has he? What um, he's, the horse has won two group ones and, and we're talking behemoth here. Yes. He should have won another one. He was a certainty beaten in a Goodwood mm. handicap a couple of years ago. He's mm. won more than $2 million dollars. Off a six thousand dollar purchase price at as a yearling. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I know. I think so many people are are so quick to retire horses that you mm. know. Um, and obviously, I believe um, I did read a while ago. David Jolly saw something in him in the early stages, mm. uh, and just thought, no, he's a big boy. He needs to grow into himself. Mm. Uh, needs to mature mentally. Um, and just so good to see these people wait because mm. um, so often they can hit the track too early 
uh, and don't reach their potential. So it was a great story, great story for the investors, um, the syndicator, you know, just such a wonderful story for Mm. people that, you know, I guess don't have uh, the big bucks to spend but Mm. love our industry and um, have invested in our industry uh, and have stuck with it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so good to see those results for the people, the mums mm. and dads out there, mm. um, you know, that just just love our industry and love their animals and love the horse. Mm. Well, he's a behemoth is a classic illustration of the old adage that all men are equal on the turf and under it. Uh-huh. 100%. <laughs> now, Linda, you grew up on a very large cattle property at Bylong, but your father, David, always had a few broodmares on the place and this was when you developed a passion for the foals, the way they bonded with their mums and the Uh way they bonded later with their handlers. That Uh passion lay dormant for a few years because uh, you and your husband, Lawrence, who is a man of the land, uh, he's got a sound background in beef cattle, dairy cattle and farming. You met in the Hunter Valley but after your marriage, you settled at Sackville North in the Hawkesbury Valley, where you raised your two sons, Ben, who's 24, and Blake, who's coming up 22. And they worked together with a very big company called Lieber Cranes. They work side by side, the two brothers. Yes, they do. Um, they're quite remarkable boys. Um, I guess... Uh, when I reflect on my upbringing, uh, we 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 grew up in a fast-paced life uh, in many ways. I mean, I guess today's life is even faster-paced, but um, back then, uh, in comparison to my peers, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we worked very hard. We watched uh, uh, growing up, watched our my mum and dad. Uh, work extremely hard and the same with Lawrence's family Um, you know they came from from very hard-working families Uh, my family uh, built their business from the ground up um, and worked hard at it Mm. you know it didn't always come easy to them they had a lot of uh, difficult times uh, throughout their business career, um, and but both my parents worked and worked extremely hard. And mm. then obviously, you know, with the property, that was something we all worked at together. Mm. Um, and so there was not going to be any other way for my boys than to watch the same. Um, I believe the only way to teach your children a hard work ethic, uh, respect, morals and uh, everything that comes with growing into a, a respectable adult um, is actually showing them how it's done. Um, you know, Lawrence and I did work hard. We did break away from the family mould mm. um, in our in our early 20s uh, mm. Lawrence and I met very young mm. um, and we 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 did things our way uh, so uh, we we purchased our first house um, which was at Quakers Hill and then um, clearly both of us from rural land went insane uh, in 
in suburbia. So we we moved out to Sackville North, which was out at Timbuktu, basically mm-hmm. back then. Um, and uh, Blake was only uh, nine months old when mm-hmm. we moved out there. Ben was uh, three mm-hmm. years of age. Uh, we just bought very small acreage on mm-hmm. our own, and um, but it came at a cost, and that was we both had to work. Yeah. Um, to uh, you know, put food on the table and pay the bills. And yeah. Well, you worked in the hospitality industry for a while and later as office manager for a building firm. Your versatility, Linda, knows no <laughs> bounds. Uh, it's actually, you know, I think I believe that, um, and it, it hasn't always been the case, I've suffered um, a lack of confidence and, and I guess I still do. Um, mm. But I think our brain has to take over and tell ourselves we can do this. Mm. And I guess um, when you're raising a family, um, you need an income, you need to pay your mortgage, Mm. Uh, you you try everything and anything. And um, and I think basically is you just roll your sleeves up and go, I can do this, I can Mm. You know, if somebody else can do it, why can't I? Yeah, of course. Um, yep. And um, it's called purpose. It's called, yeah. You you have to. You don't have a choice. And I think yeah. that's possibly very, very good thing when you don't have a choice in mm. in a lot in life at a certain stage, because it actually makes you makes you do things. Mm. If you have a choice, sometimes you choose the easier option. Mm. Well. Um, I always had to draw strength from what from what I saw my mum and dad go through, mm. um, and that that strength has stayed with me. Whenever I feel that I can't do something, mm. I look at what they did, mm. um, and you're inspired whilst, by it. Well, I I was, and mm. I guess I mean I was with them. <laughs> yeah. I was with them, but. Uh, I knew I was safe because they were my mum and dad. Yeah, of course. And they were, you know, they they could do anything. As a child, you look at them and you think, you know, they're amazing. They could, they can do anything. And mm. you never saw that strength falter. Mm. Um, you never saw any weaknesses uh, because that was their generation. Mm. All you saw was them just. A, Doing these wonderful things, mm. but underneath the surface, you didn't realise, yeah. you know, why they had to do that, mm. or, or or you know what it took from them to actually do that. Mm. Um, and I guess I, as an adult and um, plodding along in my simple life, um, coming across everyday challenges that every other person comes across that's normal, mm. I really made me realise just how. Remarkable. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How remarkable they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before you get too upset, (laughs) I'm going to fast forward here to the situation you find yourself in as the English classic sale approaches. Now, you don't get much sleep, do you, during the foaling season? You love the arrival (laughs) of the foals. You insist on being hands-on. What's the procedure at Tyreel? Floodlights, video monitoring alarms and yes. a fair bit of tension, I'd imagine. Oh, look, you know, the first few years was all very new and um, 
it took me back to my time as being a parent myself, like a, a, a young mother myself and not getting much sleep. Um, I do love it. I love watching the fo- I love watching the foals take their first breath. I love watching the mares turn around and, and look at their parcel that they've just delivered and instantly they're in love. Um, you know, I love all that. And, yes, uh, I am at every foaling. Um, we rotate who monitors the foaling alarms. It is really hard time of the year. You're tired. Um, when I'm up all night, I'm up all day too because you you still have a business to run mm. uh, from the 1st of September onwards we're managing our reproduction. Um, so we're, you know, covering mares, booking mares in to their stallions. Um, we've spent months prior mm. to all this planning our matings. Mm. There's no decision in this business that comes lightly. Uh, whilst it looks like I fly by the seat of my pants, I certainly don't. Um, so it's research all the way. Um, homework into everything from nutrition to um, oh, matings to, to everything, to sales placement, to uh, everything we can possibly do. And then, yeah, so we, we, we do all the falling down here and, um, and then um, – right into the repro season and then Lawrence, he uh, does as many of the walk-ins as he possibly can, Mm. which is driving the mares and foals up to the hunter, Mm. uh, covering the mares, bringing them straight back. Uh, I don't really like them staying overnight at too many places. Um, uh, Unfortunately, my worst downfall would have to be the fact that um, I like to control as much as I possibly can. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I guess, um, you know, it comes from passion, that control. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then we head, we're heading into the classic sale, which we're extremely excited about. Mm. How, many, um, how many on your draft? We, we have eight yearlings that we're presenting uh, yep. and they've come up a treat. They right. are beautifully, mm. will be beautifully presented. They've been beautifully grown and raised and mm. prepared. Uh, I'm lucky, very lucky to be surrounded by professional people who love their horses equally as much as I do. Um, and... Um, yeah, I'm very excited about uh, presenting this draft. Uh, uh, Inglis have been a phenomenal help to me and my family over the last seven years. Um, our best results um, in the sales ring have been from Team Inglis. Mm. Um, they have supported me through and through. Uh not only with the horses, you know, they'll ring up and have a chat, see how we're travelling, can bounce, you know, ideas off them and Mm. thoughts uh, about certain mares. Um, We talk sale placement um, and obviously they're always after the cream of the crop but they understand as well when I make decisions to to divide uh, my drafts Mm. and... um, they, they, they honestly, I don't know where I would be really without their help um, and their support. Um, so, 
I'm really, really excited about the the classic yearlings we've got and our Easter yearling draft that's going to be coming up as well. We we only present a very small number of Easter yearlings each year mm. um, and um, they're always at the top of the tree. Mm. Uh, so they're always very exciting prospects mm. for investors. Now, it just occurred to me, Linda, that I forgot to pause for a break in the middle of our podcast, so we're going to do that right now. Back with you after this. The English Millennium has been run only twice so far and has produced a surprise result on both occasions. The inaugural edition in 2019 saw Castel Vecchio storm home from last to beat Accession and Dawn Passage at odds of $21. He looked an emerging top liner and so it proved when he went on to win the Champagne Stakes, the Rosehill Guineas and run second in the Cox Plate. Last year, the rains came to Warwick Farm and the $2 million millennium had to be switched to the following Wednesday. After consultation with participants, the race was reduced in distance to 1,100 metres and on a heavy nine track, it was another surprise result. Prime Star, ridden by Tom Marquand for the Friedman Brothers, was too strong for Bella Nipotina and Larimer Street at odds of $18. This time around, the important two-year-old race has been switched to Randwick, greatly enhancing the spectacle of a race which will become a carnival feature in the years ahead. The English Classic Sale commences at Riverside the following morning at 10 and you can bet many buyers will already have next year's millennium in their sights. The English Millennium, Saturday, February the 6th, one of many highlights of the 2020 Sydney Autumn Carnival. Now, you've got some interesting little stats about the number of yearlings you've actually sent to the sales since Tyreel began operations. Oh, I have. Um, Now, so Tyreel stud, our own broodmares that we've purchased, Mm. um, at... Presented at sales, we've we've sold sixty one yearlings mm-hmm. over the last seven years mm-hmm. that we have fold down and are out of broodmares we own ourselves. Um, we have sold fifty six mm-hmm. uh, from uh, consigned yearlings or yep. yearlings that we have raised on behalf of a client. Right. Um, so we do only have small numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but our aim was always to pack a punch Mm. Um, and you never know how it's all going to pan out, Mm. Um, but it's it's obviously working. We've um, Mm. had a fantastic 12 months on the track with Montefilia, which was bred on behalf of a client, Uh, Behemoth, which we obviously sold as a weanling, a classic legend, as well, and um, you know, prior to that, we have every rose mm. uh, who who still is running. She's coming up soon. Yep. Um, so, you know, we we've done well, um, and we've still got many running around the track that are giving their owners, um, you know, excitement. Um, and it, it, I think we've got horses that we've bred at racing at every level Mm. um and there's being sold at every level um 
as far as their value is concerned as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can't always be at the top end. Mm. It's nice to be at the middle and it's nice to also sell in that lower end bracket as well mm. um, because success will come from every level in my opinion. And um, so we we get a great thrill ourselves watching uh, our graduates, whether we've owned them or sold them on behalf of uh, clients. We get a great thrill at watching them um, around the track and, and uh, continuing on their careers. Mm. Now, Linda, um, we haven't got a lot of time, but I know yeah. you'd like to pay a quick little tribute to the dedicated people you have around you at Tyreel? I, I would. Look, we've had um, Rob Sims has been with us since uh, our beginning. Um, he was, he, we purchased him with Tyreel, basically. Mm. He came as the existing manager yeah. um, and uh, he's still standing by our side. Um, you know, we've had our ups and downs here on the farm, like every every business. Mm. Um, we've also got a phenomenal yielding manager in Vanessa Benson. Yep. Um, she just is a fantastic horsewoman. Mm. Uh, she loves her animals, loves her horses. Um, and, you know, I just love love watching her and Rob mm. work with the horses. Um, you know, they, they leave no stone unturned. Mm. Um you know, I guess from the very beginning, it was expected um, from my perspective and, and Lawrence's. Um, you know, we have a standard um, and it's been lovely watching Rob and Vanessa grow um, and they just get on with their day. They know expectations. You know, we, we have bad days on the farm, like anything, you know. Mm. We have injuries. Uh, you can't stop these horses at times. Um, the manner in which they carry out their their daily work yeah. um, is commendable, yeah. um, you know, and it's, it's nice getting up each day knowing that they're all over it. They've got it. Yeah. I don't have to watch what they do i don't have to we all we all have a role in this business mm. uh, and it's so nice watching them and who, um, and who are the others linda i've got uh paul buchanan he's uh, a stud hand he paul can do anything yeah. he can he can get on the tractor he can do some fencing yeah. he's a brilliant horseman mm. um he he is great at weaning the foals mm. um he's he's a gentle horseman um, they love him. The animals respect him. I've got Renee Gibson, yeah. who I can almost say is full time. She's permanent part time. Yeah. Um, she's got an eye for a horse like I've not seen mm. before. She's really? brilliant. Uh, mm. She's got a really good eye for the animal. Mm. Um, and um, so I'm very fortunate. My staff have been with me for a very long time. Mm. Um, I think Renee's been here six years. Paul might be three or four. Uh, Vanessa, she's just finishing off her second year of uh, yeah. round of yearlings. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the team. I'm proud of proud of my family. Mm. I'm proud of what Lawrence does. He's a, he, he's a quiet achiever. 
goes about his business, just knows what he's got to do, gets on with it. Um, the boys, whilst they work hard in their chosen careers, um, when they're home and when they're around, I need a help, they're there. Uh, they can hold a horse, they can hold a foal, they can take a photo. Yeah. Uh, they can they fix machinery, they can drive, they drive the mower, the tractor, you know, yeah. anything, anything. Um, and so I'm, I'm really fortunate. And to be honest, our success, with our success, it takes a village mm. to make these things work. It mm. takes a team, um, you know, and I'm really proud of the team that we've surrounded ourselves with mm. um, and our subcontractors. Um you know, I'm just extremely grateful for the support that we get given, and and also my mum and dad from afar. They're constantly giving me encouragement uh, on the moments where I say I don't think I can do this anymore. I've only been here seven years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they give me the confidence that I can actually get up and keep doing it because, yes, you've had a bad day. Um, tomorrow will be better. Mm. Uh, and tomorrow always is better. Um, and, um, you know, we're, none of us um, get uh, through life without having those moments where you think you can't do it. Mm. Um, you could just, I guess, for me, I take a deep breath close my eyes and hold on because mm. we'll keep going. Um, yeah. Yep. As, well, Linda, you've lived the dream and so far you've had quite an impact on the thoroughbred breeding industry. I know the late Jim Fleming would be very pleased to know that his beloved Tyreel continues to uphold the standard of excellence that he pioneered on that very property almost four decades ago. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very, very much.